Welcome to Engaging the Experts, a series of interviews with pharmacy practitioners and educators on cutting-edge topics. In part one of this two-part Engaging the Experts interview, William Zelmer talks with Susan Cornell and Curtis Triplett regarding novel treatments for the management of type 2 diabetes, a focus on SGLT2 inhibitors. This installment is produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by an educational grant from AstraZeneca. It is available at www.ashpadvantage.com forward slash SGLT2 or via iTunes as a podcast. This is William Zelmer for the ASHP program, Engaging the Experts, a series of interviews with pharmacy practitioners and educators on cutting-edge topics. I'm speaking with Susan Cornell and Curtis Triplett, who presented a session on this topic at the 2014 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Their presentation is now available as a continuing education program. Dr. Susan Cornell is Associate Director of Experiential Education and Associate Professor at Chicago College of Pharmacy, Midwestern University, Downers Grove, Illinois. Dr. Curtis Triplett is Associate Director, Diabetes Research Center, Texas Diabetes Institute, and Associate Professor, Clinical, Department of Medicine, Division of Diabetes at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio. Susan, how would you characterize the magnitude of type 2 diabetes as a public health problem in the United States, and how is that likely to change over the next decade? Excellent question, and we see a lot of this not only in the healthcare sector, but also people in the public are asking a lot of questions about this because it is becoming a big public health problem. It's not uncommon you go somewhere and you can ask the question, how many folks here know someone with diabetes? And pretty much every hand in the room will go up. Very rarely do you not see someone who, you know, isn't aware of the public health problem of diabetes. And, you know, we're nearly at 30 million people today that have this condition. It is expected to grow just because, you know, of the fact that obviously we do have an obesity problem as well here in the United States, as well as worldwide. And what's very interesting is that diabetes is very different in different people. For example, Asian Americans actually can get diabetes at a lower BMI than Caucasian or an African American. And so these subtle differences are also causing this uh, growth of diabetes worldwide. And that's what we're concerned about. So what we want to do is try to, you know, nip the thing in the bud, so to speak, and get folks to do prevention of this so we don't have more than 30 million growing over the next several decades. I see. Well, you point out in your program that there has been great expansion of treatment for type 2 diabetes since 1995. Could you please describe briefly that expansion? Sure. And, you know, boy, that actually makes me feel old. Thinking about when I graduated from pharmacy school back in the late 80s, we had two classes of drugs, so insulin and sulfonylureas, and that was it. That was the only armamentarian that we had to treat diabetes. And then in 1995, metformin came out, and since then, we've had an explosion to the fact we now have 12 classes of drugs available to treat type 2 diabetes. And interestingly, a lot of these drugs are actually also being used or studied to treat type 1. Your educational program is on one specific category of pharmacotherapy, the sodium glucose co-transporter inhibitors, or in shorthand, the SGLT2 inhibitors. 
explain briefly the target organ system for these medicines and how they contribute to control of type 2 diabetes. Well, with the SGLT2 inhibitors, they're very unique because they do not rely on insulin. So they're insulin independent and they work on the kidney. So if I could take everybody back to pharmacy school and, and physiology, um, if folks will remember, we, we tend to pee out sugar. So we eliminate sugar through urination once our body reaches 180 milligrams per deciliter, potentially higher because sometimes as we get older, you know, it, it becomes a higher number as you have diabetes for a longer period of time. You might not pee out sugar until 200 or higher milligrams per deciliter. But the bottom line, these new drugs, what they do is they lower that renal threshold. So you're going to be peeing out sugar at 150 or 140 instead of 180. And this way, sugar is not being reabsorbed. The kidney is not reabsorbing that, that sugar and putting it back into the body. It's eliminating it. And so that's how this mechanism is very complementary to other drug mechanisms to, again, reduce the A1C and to reduce blood sugar. Picking up on that point, uh, Curtis, uh, what specific SGLT2 inhibitor products are marketed in the United States, and how long have they been available? Well, Bill, there uh, currently are three products that come from this class of diabetes medications that are on the market, and they really haven't been available for that long. The first one was released in the United States in 2013. That was canaglyflozin. And then in just 2014, the last two products came onto the market, and that is dapagliflozin and empagliflozin. The fact that they're new products, we're still learning a lot of interesting things about them. I'm curious, uh, Curtis, uh, what do the current treatment guidelines for type 2 diabetes, such as those by the American Diabetes Association or the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists, say about the use of SGLT2 inhibitors? Well, it, it's interesting that we're kind of on the cusp of changing practice right now. And one of the things is, is that the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists algorithm has been out for some time. And we have to remember the algorithms kind of lag behind clinical practice many times. And so when we look at this, that one actually included SGLT2s, but at that time they were not even released. But interestingly enough, the American Diabetes Association 2015 guidelines actually put SGLT2 inhibitors on the same line as metformin or sulfonylureas or DPP4 inhibitors or basal insulin or, or GLP-1s. I'd say that it's a viable option for someone to consider using that. And as we'll talk about in the rest, there are some things to consider. SGLT2s now really, even from the American Diabetes Association, which tends to be a little more conservative when they're going to put a medication on their algorithm, already has it on. So people should feel comfortable that these drugs are front and center now in the treatment of type 2 diabetes. Okay, well, that seems like a very important point. That concludes part one of this two-part Engaging the Experts interview. For part two of this interview and more information on this topic, visit www.ashpadvantage.com forward slash SGLT2.